Welcome to the Sherry and Brock Show, the best place to hear about real people accomplishing incredible things. Tune in every week to hear encouraging interviews with authentic individuals who've discovered purpose and are living the life they've always wanted. The host for this podcast includes CEO and founder of CDM Media Group and positive influencer Sherry Cranford, as well as entrepreneur, business coach, and award-winning MC, event host, and DJ Brock Barton. It's our hope that each week by tuning in, you'll be encouraged and inspired to do great things in your own life. Now here are your hosts, Sherry and Brock. Hey everyone, I'm so excited to be here today with my co-host Brock Barton and special guest Sarah Evans. We hope you're inspired and enjoy listening to us today as we sit down and talk with country music artist and songwriter Sarah Evans. Now I'm going to hand it over to my co-host Brock Barton. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Super excited. Today we have the fifth most played female artist on country radio. She's got five number one singles, eight studio albums, multi-platinum recording artist Sarah Evans. How are you today, Sarah? I'm great. How are y'all? Swell, swell. I love that we get to uh, visit with you and connect with you today. I have heard that you are a Missouri native. Yes, um, I grew up in a little town um, about 30 minutes from Columbia, it's a uh, population in 1200 and it's always been a population of 1200. <laughs> never <laughs> changed. It's never grown. It's never smaller. And, um, it's called new Franklin. And most people know the town of Boonville, which is, um, right next to it. And then I grew up vacationing at Lake of the Ozarks. Awesome. That's where I grew up vacationing as well. Mm-hmm. So awesome. I about the show Ozark on Netflix. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> right. uh, we do get a lot of connections to that, don't we? <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, I love it. I, uh, I don't know that I've been to New Franklin, but I'm very close to uh, Columbia. I went, I'm a Mizzou grad, and so I'm familiar with the area quite well. Yeah, me too. And my mom's parents, my granny and papa, lived in Missouri. I mean, in Columbia. And so... You know, I spent pretty much every weekend of my life at their house because I loved being there so much. So um, and then I have a lot of I have a huge family. I come from seven kids and um, all of my siblings, all of my cousins and nieces and nephews, everybody still lives in that area in Missouri, except one brother, um, my brother, Matt, who's my bass player. And he's always been my bass player since I was four years old. (laughs) <laughs> and he awesome. and I were the ones that, you know, were really serious about the music. So we moved to Nashville um, years ago. That's incredible. I love that. I love it. And actually, when did you move to Nashville? Do you quite remember? Yeah, totally. Um, so I graduated high school in 1989 and I got a full ride scholarship for music to go to Central Methodist College, which is in Fayette, Missouri. I'm sure you've heard of that college. Yes. And um, I went there. I was the first person in my immediate family to go to college. And um, I went for 11 days and then then I quit. (laughs) Wow. 11 days. Everybody's like, that is just the weirdest story. You're so weird. And I am weird. But um, my brother, Matt, my bass player, he had gone to Hollywood to go to Um, Musicians Institute of Technology to study jazz bass. And so, you know, I was just kind of waiting for him to graduate. And really, all I wanted to do was move to Nashville and become Reba McIntyre. And since I had grown up on stage, since I was four years old, um, you know, I knew that that was my calling, that that was my destiny, that there was no other pathway for me. And I think I just went to college to try to kind of make my family was so proud. And so I wanted to make them happy. And, but it really wasn't in my heart to go to college and, you know, college is definitely not for everyone. And especially if you know exactly what you want to do and, and, you know, it doesn't require getting a lawyer degree or, you know, medical degree or something like that. Mine was just, you know, having to move to Nashville and that was, that was going to be my college. So I got a job and saved, we each saved a thousand dollars and we moved to Nashville in 1991. That's awesome. I love that. Mm-hmm. And Sherry, so I her, think, I think you had a question. I do. So, so in 1991, you and your brother moved to Nashville, um, on a thousand dollars. So tell us, tell us a little bit about that. 
Oh no, we were rich. We had a thousand dollars each. Okay. Dang. <laughs> there you go. We, we immediately bought a mansion when we moved here. No, we. <laughs> well, it was hilarious. My best friend from kindergarten, her name was Steffi. Um, she went with us. So I was in my car, Matt was driving his car. And then my mom and my sister-in-law were driving cause we're farmers too. I forgot to mention that. So we grew up, you know, I grew up working my butt off on the farm. And, um, so my mom had a two ton pickup truck, which she hooked a trailer on behind that, like a horse trailer. We put all of our stuff in there. And we moved into this crappy apartment off of Briley Parkway, um, you know, and, and just started. And I immediately got a job because I had been waiting tables at Holiday Inn Executive Center in Columbia. And so I got transferred to the Holiday Inn on Briley Parkway. So I was immediately able to work. And then my brother got a job and, you know, we just went from there. Wow, that's so cool. What a story. And and mm-hmm. you share that. um you just released your new memoir, Born to Fly. Um, I'm loving your book um, and learning more about you. So tell us a little bit about um, your book you started and why you wrote it. Um, kind of share with our listeners about Born to Fly. I was approached by the publisher um, about, gosh, almost five years ago now. This is a, such a crazy story. <clears throat> and they wanted to know if I'd be interested in writing a book. And if so, what kind of book would I want to write? Um, I had co-written um, three books prior to that, three um, fiction novels. And, you know, they did really well. And so they wanted to know if I would be interested in writing something again. And I thought, well, I'm too young to write a memoir. And <clears throat> or, I mean, I'm too young to write a, a, an autobiography. And I don't really want to write a memoir because at the time, all of my kids were in junior high and high school And I didn't want to, you know, go too deep or get too personal or tell too much. I didn't want, definitely did not want to write a tell all book um, because I didn't want to embarrass them. So I said, well, what if I write a book that's kind of a how to book, kind of like the movie, I don't know how she does it and just talk about how I juggle, you know, being a touring artist and being a mom of three and a stepmom to four and my advice sort of on everything from fashion to pregnancy, um, how to lose baby weight, how to, you know, um, be the kind of wife and mother that, that I wanted to be while still having this very powerful career and all of that. So as I started to, and they were, they were cool with that. They were like, yeah, that sounds great. And, um, as I started to do that, well, first I, I made a mistake and I, thought that I needed a co-writer, um, someone who really could just take everything that I'm saying, but, but make it a good book because I thought I don't really know how to write a book. So we hired one co-writer and, and oddly enough, she was actually from Missouri, but she was, you know, very sweet, but she wasn't married and didn't have kids. So I worried that, you know, how well she would be able to translate everything that I was saying And after spending two or three days with her solid and her recording everything that I said and taking notes and when she started sending pages back, it was just so nothing like my personality and it just wasn't funny. It wasn't anything like me. So, um, you know, I, I changed directions and they're like, we we have another co-writer that we think would be great. She's got a ton of kids. She's a mom. Um, you know, she's an author, so she knows what it's like to juggle all that same thing. Um, she's, she was from Washington state. And I think that she really thought that people from Missouri are like total rednecks and hicks. And when we started sending pages back, she was putting words in my mouth, like, why, why did daddy leave mama? And it like made us sound like the Waltons, you know, and right. <laughs> her, like, call my dad, daddy, I call him dad. Like in Missouri, we say mom and dad in the Midwest. She kept writing it like little house on the prairie. And so I just couldn't get her to change that, 
that way of portraying me. Like I'm not some hick, you know, like we're very sophisticated farmers and we all have excellent grammar <laughs> and we're all super smart and all of that. So I finally was just like, you know what? I'm just going to write this freaking book by myself. So I literally started over. So the process took forever. And finally the publisher was like, look, we have to have this book or just forget it. <laughs> so I worked day and night to finish it. And you can, you know, I'm sure as you can tell, um, it is totally a hundred percent. Now my personality, my voice, my sense of humor. And, um, and I also read the audible book as well, which makes it even more authentic because it just didn't feel authentic to me. So the book is just, um, so it's a, we call it a memoir because it's not a tell all. I don't go into to any salacious details about my divorce. Um, I don't share a lot of private information about my kids, but I do talk a lot about my upbringing and my crazy life. My life is so full of drama. I've had three near death experiences and, you know, started singing on stage when I was four years old. By the time I was eight years old, I was singing in bars, watching drunk people two step and, um, and so I'm really happy with the way the book turned out. And then it does turn into a little bit of unsolicited advice, you know, where I t tell, talk to women a lot about my feelings on marriage and motherhood and the difference in raising boys and girls and all of that. So it's overall, the book is very funny and very fun and it's, but it does um, have some moments that, that could possibly make you cry. Yes. You're, you're, it's very personal. Um, very powerful and, and your, your humor just comes out in it. Um, yeah. so I haven't finished it, but it's an awesome book and it does show, it shows your personality a hundred percent. So awesome job. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm a bit more of a, uh, an audible kind of person myself, the audio book. So I love that you read your own. I'm going to have to tune in and, uh, and check it out. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about that. Please do. You'll love it. It's, it's really a fun story and it's kind of a, you know, it's shocking at, at some moments. You know, I talk about how I almost died in a plane crash and my brother, Matt, like I said, I have six siblings, but Matt and I are definitely the closest and we've been through so much together. And we were in this private plane and a piece of equipment called the gyroscope broke, which tells you, tells your airplane if you're upside down or not. And it was pitch dark. We were coming home from a show in Minnesota. Um, it was on, on December 7th. It was very cloudy and freezing cold. And that piece of equipment broke. And I describe in horrific detail how we were half a second from hitting the ground. And, um, and then I also got hit by a car when I was eight years old and broke both my legs, both my arms. I was unconscious for two days in the hospital for six weeks and had multiple, multiple surgeries on my legs. And, um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of drama and I'm still, I'm sure that there's still a lot yet to come. <laughs> wow. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, seriously, that's, that's incredible. You said you've had three of those and has that created, uh, you know, three near death experiences? Has that created, uh, anxiety and, 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 and certain like PTSD type issues that you've had to work through? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And I definitely have PTSD. Um, and you know, um, have worked through it though. And, you know, I've never really had to be medicated, um, at one point in my life, I, I was having a, you know, a long string of like months of anxiety. And so I, I tried antidepressants for a little while and, and they just didn't work at all. They, they, because I wasn't depressed. I just was struggling to place, you know, fear in its proper place. And when I, you know, w when I would be ravaged by hormones or, you know, be super exhausted. I wasn't, um, skilled at, you know, placing that fear and that anxiety in the proper place. And so I've really worked on that a lot and learned to, you know, stay calm. And, um, but I think, you know, the main thing was, was getting hit by a car at such a young age and the car was going 75 miles an hour. And, 
it was a just horrific, horrific accident. And when I woke up in the hospital at Mizzou, um, I, my mom had just left. Like she was there by my side every second. And they finally convinced her to, to go to my granny's house and try to get some sleep and shower. And of course that's when I woke up, um, from being unconscious for two days and I didn't have my mom and my legs were in full cast. My left leg was in a traction device. Both my arms were in cast and I had no memory of what happened. And so just waking up and having only strangers there, um, was extremely, extremely, um, you know, scary for me as a little girl. And plus I was used to just being on the farm with, my parents and my siblings. And so, yeah, it was, it was very traumatic. Wow. I, I think that, uh, there's a good chance that some of our listeners have probably had situations that have created anxiety and, uh, you know, um, PTSD type of symptoms themselves. What, what, what have been some of the strategies you've used in your life to overcome some of the, uh, some of those issues? Um, mainly prayer. Uh, you know, I, I learned from an early age. Well, when I was in the hospital recovering from getting hit by a car, I had so many cards and letters and visitors and every single one said the same thing. Like, you're so blessed. God was really, you know, looking out for you. He's got a purpose for you. I mean, who lives after getting hit by a car going 75 miles an hour? That's just like unheard of. And so that really resonated with me. Like there is a God and he loves me and he saved me you know, save my life. And then obviously, you know, throughout my life, I've had so many situations where I, I've known and understood completely that God has been with me and is always protecting and always providing. And I became a Christian when I was 21. And so I would say that even today, you know, when I start feeling anxiety and you know, that stress and kind of like, you know, where you start to kind of spin, I just really pray. I mean, I pray, pray, pray for God to just give me peace. And, and that, you know, really works. And then I, I also, um, learned about Klonopin after my, um, divorce when I was, had, you know, that was very traumatizing as well. And so I will take a clonopin, like I have to take a clonopin when I fly since the, the plane crash. Um, and I'm not, I'm not afraid at all, you know, to use the clonopin to help me calm down, you know, to get me out of that fight or flight kind of feeling. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously just, um, walking, you know, any kind of exercising and, you know, going outside with no shoes on to ground myself with the earth and just to be like, Hey, everything is fine. And I, I completely understand now that, you know, anxiety is just a feeling. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't change any reality that's happening. It's just a feeling. And, you know, I've learned a lot from that ice man, you know, the, what I can never remember his name. Venhoff or something like that, where he talks about all these breathing techniques. And that is so, so, so important. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? You're talking about the guy who basically can, uh, he, yeah, he like can sit in like freezing cold water for hours upon hours without hyper hypothermia. Is that right? Yes. He believes that that is, you know, like so important or like to take a cold shower every day. And it's two things, the breathing and then putting yourself in ice cold water. Um, he injected himself with Ebola, I think was what it was. And he just breathed through it and nothing happened to him at all. Um, it's pretty amazing. It's Gwyneth Paltrow has a show on Netflix called goop and, or the goop factory or something like that. And he was on an episode and I just sat there and bawled crying, uh, watching his episode because it's so true how the breathing just, you know, and so many people suffer from anxiety. And so it's just wonderful when you hear about techniques that really help. 
Yeah, that's incredible. And that's that's uh, Wim Hof is his name. Is that correct? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I love that. Um, I, I've only vaguely heard of him. I'll, I'll need to check that out because that's, uh, you know, I won't lie in my own life. I, I have struggles with anxiety here and there. And I think that could be really powerful for me to practice more breathing exercises like that. Absolutely. He's fascinating. Yes, I'll have to check him out too as well because I think we all have a little anxiety from time to time. So <laughs> it's a crazy world right now that we're living in. Mm-hmm. And that's what you kind of in your book, you share some of your favorite tips and staying true to yourself and you share your faith. And so I think it's a great book for everyone that's listening because um, you have so much to share with everybody. Thank you. Yeah, I tried to touch on every aspect of life, you know, that I thought, um, and especially parenting, because, you know, I was born with a gift to sing and I knew that I was born to to be a singer and do this for my career, but my, but I was also born to be a mother and, you know, being a, a mom has been the biggest blessing of my life. And so I talk a lot about parenting and I talk a a lot about, um, and I'm pretty harsh too when I talk about step parenting because so many people get it wrong and, so many people are, you know, selfish when, when they enter into second marriages with children that are from previous marriages and, and, you know, um, so I, I really, really harp on that a lot. And I, I did that on purpose so that, you know, if anybody is married with, you know, and I I talk especially to women when you're, when you marry someone who has children from another marriage and they don't get to live with their dad anymore. And now your husband is living with you and your kids. You know, I went through that with my parents' divorce. And so I really, really, um, harp on women who don't, um, take the time to understand what the children are going through and how they might be feeling. Right. Cause blended families are, you know, there's a lot of them now today. Um, I I'm from a blended family and we, my husband and I both have children from other, um, spouses. So exes, um, a blended family is important to understand. And what is one of the biggest advice you give mothers out there? Well, the biggest piece, the biggest thing that I said to women who are married to men that have children, um, already is, they need to allow and provide and help facilitate the relationship between their new husband and his children and, you know, take away any jealousy, um, you know, because there, there's always this feeling of like, like when, when I first got married to Jay, um, you know, I, I, he has a daughter and three sons and I would look at his daughter and be like, Oh my gosh, she is an identical twin to her mother. And, you know, those are things that you have to, you know, say to yourself, you know, I'm the adult in the room. This precious child had no say in anything that's going on. You know, they're innocent victims. And so you can't, be jealous. You can't ever talk bad about the other parent. Um, and just really try to like, I wanted Jay's kids to feel so welcome in our new home. And so I had all the kids names embroidered on their pillows and everybody had their own bed. So everybody had their own space with their bed, with a pillow, with their name on it. So it's like, when I go to dad's house, you know, I, I know that there is a place for me and I'm wanted there. And Um, you just have to make sure that you always think about, you know, how is this making, like I have two daughters, for instance. And so when it would be time for Jay's kids to visit, I would say to my girls, you know, let Sarah Ashley have her time with daddy. My kids call him daddy Jay. And now the whole world calls him daddy Jay, but you know, try to sort of, you know, back away a little bit. Like if it was a Wednesday night visit and, allow daddy Jay to spend some one-on-one time with his kids, but in particular his daughter, because, you know, I'm sure it was very hard for her to see her dad living with two other 
little girls, you know, and you just always have to be thinking about that. Most um, of us in those situations are only thinking of ourselves. And if you didn't go through a divorce as a child, um, you really, really should do your research and, you know, make sure that you're loving that stepchild well. That is so true. Um, my family, my parents are divorced and, um, it was a nightmare and, and I don't think sometimes they made the best decisions with the kids involved. Mm -hmm. So when my children's dad and I got divorced, I always made sure that I never said a bad word about their dad. Yeah. We, we all go events together. Um, you know, we, we make it work. And today now I have grandchildren and they don't know any different. They, they see, um, my ex-husband and I there and, and they just think that's grandpa Doug and that's, that's grandma. And, and then we have our other spouses with us. So they, they don't know any different. I think it's very important to keep that blended family as, as happy and as normal as you possibly can and, um, care about everybody else that's involved. Absolutely. Yeah. That's wonderful. Unfortunately, our, you know, we don't have that exact situation and, um, and, and my kids, you know, were, were with me full time. They never did like, you know, go to be with their dad. It's, it's, it's a, uh, sad, really sad, unfortunate situation, but, um, we had Jay's kids, you know, every other weekend and every Wednesday night, every other week in the summer, you know, holidays. And so I just knew I, what, I mean, I, I remembered so vividly the feelings that I had when we would go see our dad and he was living with other kids. So I just tried to do everything I could to openly converse with them about it. Hey, if you're ever feeling any way, I mean, you can always talk to us and, you know, I know it must be hard that your dad's living with, with my kids, but you know, you are obviously welcome here anytime you want to be here. Um, you know, just to keep it really loose and light too. And I, I also talked in the book about, I regarded myself with my stepkids as more of an aunt, like a fun aunt. Um, I never tried to, to mother them because they had their own mom, you know, they have a mom already. So I just tried to make it fun. All I did was cook and play sports and, swim and just fun, 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 fun. And I never tried to parent them because I'm, I'm not their parent. I'm their step parent. And I just, you know, I think that's really important that you don't step in and all of a sudden just try to boss them around and make them call you mom or anything like that. That is so true. My husband, um, he has three girls and, and unfortunately, um, two of them don't see him, but one of them does come and, um, and, and that's what we do. We kind of just enjoy her. Um, I I'm her bonus mom. She calls me. Right. Um, I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't parent her as much unless, you know, um, just a few roles in our house. And, um, but it, it's a tough situation because my husband okay. deals with the other girls. They don't come and, and there's, there's feelings there. And so it's, it's very important to work through. And I think your book, it, it gives blended families a lot of advice and thank you for sharing your stories and doing that for everyone. Cause it's so important. Absolutely. It is. And I will say too, you know, it is, I understand the, it's very hard to be a stepmom, And uh, so to flip the coin, I will also, I also speak to women who are divorced, whose kids go and, and visit their dad and their stepmom you as the mom need to try to promote that relationship because it's just healthier for the kids. And, you know, the stepmom gets zero credit for anything. And so you have to, you know, if you're the mom, you need to encourage the kids, say thank you to your stepmom for all she does for you. And, you know, it's just, it's just all the adults all the way around need to try to do the right thing at all times. That is so true. Cause, um, I've always encouraged, um, you know, even my, my stepdaughter, she'll call and she'll be upset with her mom. And I'll say, you can't disrespect your mother. You have to hold your tongue. Cause she's 14. And, um, 
you know, I think being supportive of each parent that's involved and it, it helps the kids have a better life and not make them so much a victim of divorce. Absolutely. Amen. Incredible. Incredible. I, uh, I don't have, I don't have, uh, children. So this, uh, this is new territory for me, but I am loving what I'm learning, uh, <laughs> right now. Um, I also just want to say, I, Sarah, I just so appreciate how authentic you are. Uh, I have greatly enjoyed this conversation. Uh, and, uh, just, I just, I just sense like, I feel like we're sitting in the same room and you're just, just chilling with me. And I love that. Thank you. I, I think that's so important. Um, you know, being a, a famous person, um, people act really weird around me, especially when they first meet me because they just don't know, like, you know, the stereotypical famous person is, you know, they're snobby or they're hard to deal with, or they're a diva. And it's super important to me to, you know, get to know people right off the bat and let them understand that I'm such a normal person. I grew up poor on a farm and I worked so hard to get to where I am today. And, um, it's very important for me to be as authentic as possible so that I can have true relationships. And, um, you know, I, I always want people to love me for me and want to be around me because they love me not because I'm famous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hear that. I, 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 of course, am nowhere on the caliber of, of, of what you've achieved in your life yet, but here, here in Missouri, I am somewhat known for what I do. And, and it is, it's a weird thing when you walk in, Oh, you're that DJ guy. Uh, I'm just yeah. Brock. I'm just Brock. That's all I am. And, uh, it's almost like you kind of have to, with people like that, almost have to like unteach them who you are so that you can actually let them experience who you actually are. Yeah. I always say it's, it's not me that changed. It's the people in my life that changed when I got, when I became famous. Um, because they're all of a sudden like, you know, are you, do you think you're cool or are you, you know, do you look down on me now because you're a celebrity and, and the answer is absolutely not, you know, I'm just as normal and as much of a dork as anybody in this world. <laughs> uh, I love it. Actually, uh, I debated on whether or not I'd share this, but I'm going to share a funny story with you about uh, my youth. Can I do that really quick? Of course. Um, I grew up in a very small town in Missouri as well, a town Thayer, Missouri. Uh, like I graduated the class of 32 people. Uh, it's very small. Yeah. And uh, my first job was on a country radio station. And this was uh, back when, you know, uh, Born to Fly, Suds in the Bucket, uh, you know, Backseat of Greyhound Bus, all these songs were killing the charts. And, um, and, uh, uh, so I was, I, you know, I was pretty excited coming into this this podcast uh, because I was so familiar with you. And uh, if you ask my family, they'll they'll be honest with you about this. So when I was, you know, sixteen years old, and you're that age, or your boy, you don't even have any idea what you're looking at in the future. Uh, you know, all these kids around me are, you know, they're they're crushing on like like uh, Megan Fox, or I don't even know who they're crushing on. But uh, I always remember I would tell people I thought you were like the best thing that ever happened. I thought I was, I was, I just thought you were the coolest thing. And then I got to see you in Sykeston at a, I believe it was the PBR rodeo or whatever the rodeo is out there. They call that you were out there. It was so cool to get to see you and meet you at that experience. So I've always been a huge fan of Sarah Evans. That's awesome. Oh my God. I love that story. Yeah. (laughs) That's so cool. Me. (laughs) <laughs> no. I, I, uh, yeah, I texted uh, my brother, my dad. I'm like, you'll never believe who I'm on podcast with uh, this week. And they've been picking on me ever since. In fact, they've been texting me as I've been on the podcast, making fun of me a little bit. So that is awesome. we'll tell them I said, hi, I will do it. I will do it. Uh... Um, something you said earlier, I really want to touch on, cause I think this is very inspiring. You said you, um, you've known at a young age, man, I want to be a singer. I want to sing. Is that right? Yeah. It's, you know, 
it's partly I knew from a young age and partly I was told to do it from a young age. So my two older brothers started taking guitar lessons and both my parents are, you know, have natural music talent, huge music lovers, um, but never performed on stage themselves. My dad had the most beautiful voice. And so I would start singing along with my brothers when they would come home and practice and they would learn songs and I would sing them. And my parents, you know, I almost envisioned them both like looking at each other, like, holy crap, we've got a band here. Like, you know, they realized that I had the natural talent to sing. So they put me on mandolin and my brother, Matt played banjo. My brother Jay played guitar. And then they found musicians, um, put a band together. And it's just crazy looking back, you know, how we were just farmers in a small town. My dad worked at the Columbia daily tribune as a pressman and he worked the graveyard shift and then he would farm during the day. And, you know, at that time, my, we had, we had five siblings and my two youngest sisters came later. But, um, the fact that my mom had that gumption and she's such an entrepreneur that she did that for us and put, put the band together. And then she started booking shows. And I recently asked her, you know, why did you do that? And she was only 24 when I was born and I was her third child. So just, you know, why, what made her do that? How did she even have the time to do that? Um, she said, I just wanted you guys to make it out of new Franklin and be more than just a, you know, high school athlete and have more to your more opportunity. And so I'm so grateful to my parents for, for going to the trouble and spending the money and doing that. And, you know, before long we were booked I mean, all the time, every weekend, all summer long, we were playing rodeos and fairs and festivals. So the long way of answering your question, um, I knew that I wanted to be a singer and that I, that I, I mean, it's almost like when you have like a prodigy athlete, like an athlete that starts playing tennis as a little tiny kid. And you, you would ask them, did you always know you wanted to be a tennis player? And the answer is I've always been a tennis player from the time I can remember. And so because my mom put me on stage at four years old, it's all I've ever known. And, you know, then of course in high school, I started really, you know, obsessing over music and branching out from country and becoming obsessed with Fleetwood Mac and Hart and the Eagles and, you know, um, all kinds of music, not just country. I, 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 that is incredible. Uh, I think it's especially inspiring because I, you know, I think there are a lot of people out there in life who have that sense that, you know, I was, I was made to do this or I, you know, I'm really good at this thing or I really want to do this thing. And, and maybe the way life works, sometimes they don't pursue that. And, uh, and so I love that your story is one that is, no, I, I went all in and I, I, I just, I, I believed everything about it, had a good support system. And, and here you are today, uh, you know, li- living what you believe you're born to do. And I think that's incredible. Yeah. Thank you. And you know, that's, I would say that to, um, parents too. Like if you see, sorry, I'm putting my dog on the bed and he's really old and really fat. Um, <laughs> If you see that, you know, your kids have something, you have a child that has a special talent, you know, make the effort to provide them with everything that they need to explore that. And don't be a lazy parent. Um, You're like, oh, yeah, Johnny says that he loves guitar and he would, well, get him a guitar and put him in guitar lessons and make that happen for your kid. And I'm just, you know, so grateful, like I said, that my parents And I totally believe that was God too, you know, pushing them in that direction. Um, Because it was really hard for my mom to take us to the shows on the weekends. And, you know, any of us who have kids who do sports or cheer or dance or anything like that, it takes a lot of effort. But man, if you see some, you know, real, real natural gift in your child, you should do everything you can to help facilitate that. And tell them to leave, leave home and go for it. 
Yeah, push them out of the nest a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, that's that's awesome. Thanks for being an inspiration in that way. I, I really am grateful that we get to hear your story. Thank you. And uh, of course, uh, listeners, if, if you want to tune into her memoir and hear even more, you should check it out. It is out. Um, I also want to touch on you released a new album last year. Copy that. Yes. So I had so much fun making this record. As I've mentioned like 50 times, I grew up on stage. So we were obviously a covers band. You know, I had to learn every country song that was popular I knew every Reba song, every, you know, Laura, every song that my mom told me to learn, um, basically. So Barbara Mandrell. And when you're in a covers band and you're doing like the, you know, playing in bars or Eagles lodges, you're doing 9 PM to 1 AM and it's four sets. So you play 45 minutes and you take a 15 minute break. Then you play for, you know, we've all been to those bars where there's a band. That's what I grew up doing. And I've always had one cover song on every album, like Born to Fly, put every little kiss on there. Um, And I never had the opportunity to make an an entire uh, album full of cover tunes. So with this one, we had just moved back to Nashville. I married my husband, Jay, moved to Birmingham so that we could all live together And, you know, he would never have to be away from his kids. So, um, everybody, my girls were doing online school, his kids were graduated. So we moved back to Nashville and I met this producer named Jared Kay, who's not really a country producer, but he produced, um, the Rustin Kelly album. Rustin Kelly was married to Casey Musgraves. I don't know if you're familiar with his music, but I was so impressed with that production and, so I met with him and said, you know, I, I need to make a record. I just moved back to Nashville. Um, are you interested in making a covers record with me? Because I don't really have time to write everything right now. Um, I want to get something out. And he was like, oh my gosh, yes. And so we started this big group text where everybody that was important to me, my husband, my kids, my brother, my producer, my manager. Um, and I would just tell them, anytime y'all think of a song, send it to the group text. So we had, you know, cause obviously there are millions of songs that you could cover. My one rule that I set for myself was I'm going to re- all these songs are going to be songs that I've never recorded before and never performed before. One of them all to be new and fresh. So yeah, we came up with this list that I think is amazing. And it's one of the most fun experiences I've ever had in the studio. Um, Jared being like, you know, um, in his early thirties, he introduced me to all these musicians that I've never worked with before. And we just had a blast. And, um, I, I think I'm, I hate to say this because I have so many songs and albums that I adore and that I'm proud of, but I'm so, so, so proud of this record. And I think, um, it's possibly some of my best work and I love it because, you know, as soon as you turn it on, you know, every song. Yeah. Yeah. I loved, uh, you know, I love finding a little Dexy's Midnight Runners on there. Come on, Eileen. Uh, That was super cool. Some My Sharona, of course. And then I love that you tag teamed with Oak Crow Medicine Show as well. Oh, my gosh. And they, I mean, yeah, we um, had Old Crow Medicine Show be the band for I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry by Hank Williams. And that song just, and, and that kind of singing is totally my wheelhouse. That's how I started out. You know, we were primarily like a bluegrass band when I started singing at the age four of four. And so I love to sing those old country songs where you're just kind of yelling out that, you know, that real bluegrass sound. Um, and then Philip Sweet sang with me on Whenever I Call You Friend, which was um, originally Kenny Loggins and Stevie Nicks. And we tried to copy the songs. That's why I named the album Copy That, because we decided to not change them too much and respect the songs and the producers and the musicians and the writers and the backup singers and all of it as as they recorded them. So they're all pretty, pretty much like, you know, exactly the way the records are. Ah, I love that. Kind of kept them authentic to what they were. We did. Yeah. Speaking speaking of backup vocalists, did I hear correctly that uh, on one of the tracks you've got your daughter featured on one? Is that correct? 
Well, yeah, Livy. So Olivia is um, a pop singer. She's we're about to launch her career this year. We just finished making an EP on her. And, um, you know, she is like me on steroids. Oh, wow. I mean, and awesome. so she does a standout part on the John Mayer song. All we ever do is say goodbye. And then she sang harmony on every song. I mean, she and I did most, she and I and Jared, the producer did almost all the harmony parts. So like when you hear at the beginning of whenever I call you friend, there's all those vocal parts and on come on Eileen and um, we, we did all of those and she's incredible. And then my son Avery played all the guitar parts. So he is doing all the solos, all the, all the lead guitar stuff that you hear is my son Avery, except on my Sharona. Um, he wasn't there for that, for tracking that song, but yeah. So my kids are following in my footsteps for sure. They're both aspiring artists. Wow. That's awesome. You've uh, inspired the next generation. Absolutely. And it's so much fun. And we did a special project called the Barker family band and, um, everyone listening needs to go download, um, live at city winery. So it's Sarah Evans and the Barker family band live at city winery. And you can hear our live show that we did. And it's just, it's so much fun. So you can hear a lot more of, of my daughter singing and my son playing guitar. Wow. I've always had siblings on stage with me. Um, my sisters have always toured with me and sang harmony. Um, and always sang on my records. So it's, it's, it's a family business. I love that. I'm sure, I'm sure that has, uh, incredible positive moments and maybe occasionally some frustrating moments too. Yeah. It's, you know, my brother Matt and I have been really, really good at having a working professional relationship and a brother sister relationship. And I think that's because he's three years older than me. So I respect him as my big brother. Um, and then I'm his boss and he respects me in that way. So, and then his wife, KK has done my hair and makeup and wardrobe for 20 years. So, I mean, we are literally just, you know, a big family and out there touring together. But yeah, there, there have been moments like, especially with my sisters where, we spend too much time on the bus together and we get a little annoyed and we need, you know, a couple of days off and then we are good to come back together. <laughs> yeah. I hear that. Well, Sarah, what what's ahead for you? What's 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 next? We have another book coming, a tour. Uh, t- t- tell me about the future. More music for sure. I mean, um I can't wait to get back in the studio and the next album is going to be an original album, of course. And I want to, you know, try to write every song with, and I want Jared to produce it again. Um, I'm just waiting for, you know, I'm waiting for people to uh, start writing again in person. I'm not really keen to write on zoom. Um, You know, I will, if I have to, but I just want to, get the Corona behind us. And, um, I'm really looking forward to writing the next project and then going in the studio later this year. And then, yeah, back on the road. I mean, we have, we usually do about 80 shows a year and they've all been canceled. I haven't really worked since last February. It's tragic. And, um, it's, it's very, very frustrating. And so hopefully the touring will start back again soon. Well, it will be exciting to have you back on tour. I'll have to, uh, we'll, we'll, what we'll do is as soon as we see that, we'll, we'll make sure we feature it on our uh, uh, socials and people can know where to find you. Awesome. Did we lose Sherry? Sherry, are you still with us? No, I'm, I'm still here. Just been listening. <laughs> Just listening to you guys talk. <laughs> uh, so, funny. so I've enjoyed it. So I can't wait to see you back out there, Sarah, and on tour and um, hopefully can make it to maybe a few concerts if you're close or um, yeah or we could head south. I'm, I'm ready to head south anytime. <laughs> yeah. Take a road trip. Yeah. Yes. That, um, you know, when touring starts that we're going to be twice as busy as we've been in years and just, you know, reschedule all the shows that were canceled and then book more. Cause I know that people are desperate to hear live music and live music is essential. So, 
and live everything, you know, yes. any form of live entertainment um, has just been devastated. And my thing is if you can fill an airplane full of people <clears throat> that are all crammed together wearing a mask, then we can do that at, at these venues and we can figure out a safe way to, to have concerts. So it's just going to require that one person that says, okay, we're doing this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I am down. You count me in on that. Awesome. Yes, me too. <laughs> awesome. Well, Sarah, yeah. where, where can, where can listeners uh, find your music, find your new album? Um, anywhere music is sold. You can go to Sarah Evans.com. Um, Sarah Evans music is my Instagram, but I'm on iTunes and Spotify and any, anywhere that you can find music, but yeah, definitely check out the new album. Copy that. You'll love it. And you'll know every song. And where, uh, where can they find your book as well? Born to fly. Same thing. Anywhere you get books and, um, you know, if you want to listen to it on audible again, I, I recorded it myself. So that's my actual voice narrating my book. And yeah, check it out. You'll you'll be very surprised at all all that has happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm eager to, to tune in and listen to that. So I'll I'll probably just acquire that tonight and put it in my headphones. It'll be good. Sounds great. Yeah. Um I was gonna throw out an idea. Do, do you care if we feature a song from your uh copy of that album? Uh maybe a clip from perhaps my Sharona or a different track. Is that possible? Absolutely. Whatever y'all want to play. I would love that. Awesome. Uh, listeners, feel free to tune in right now. We've got a feature from Sarah Evans' latest album. Copy that. This one is My Sharona. incredible thank you so much listeners for tuning in sarah thank you for taking time to visit with us today absolutely thank you for having me this has been so fun yes no i loved it i loved it um and uh hopefully uh we'll be able to get back on tour get to see you soon and i don't know maybe maybe on the next opportunity we'll have you back on the show okay thanks you guys thanks for having me thank you sarah thank you Bye. Uh, listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. That was a multi-platinum recording artist, Sarah Evans, here on the Sherry and Brock Show. And uh, tune in next week. We've got another treat, a very special visitor for us. And so we will see you next week.